All right, hey kids, I am glad you're in with us today. This is going to be a lot of fun. You guys have a lot to be involved with here in this message. This is going to pertain to you because what I'm teaching, it's for moms and dads. It's for grown-ups, but it's also for you. You're going to be able to take what we talk about today and apply it directly to your life. This is going to be important, so you need to listen in. We are going to be in Matthew chapter 5 today. So if you brought a Bible or you have a phone or a tablet with a Bible app, you can open it up. And kids, in your bag is a little sheet of paper. And on that sheet of paper is the scripture. Addie already read it for us once today. So if you can open up to that, the translation you have in your activity pad is the translation that she read I'm going to be reading from a slightly different one, but I think you guys are good enough to follow along, okay? So this is where we're going to be today. But before we get to the scripture, I want to ask a question. How many of you kids have a brother or sister? Oh, come on. Almost every hand should be up because I know you guys. All of you do. So now, here's what I want you to do. In your mind, pick, if you only have one brother or sister, this is going to be really easy. But if you have more, I need you to pick just one, okay? Imagine you and your brother or your sister outside playing. And all of a sudden, your mom comes to the door and she yells, Hey! And she calls your brother or sister's name and says, Come inside, I have something special for you. Now, you're probably wondering, Wait, what, why does mom have something special for my brother or for my sister, not for me? So you're curious. So you run in with them, you get into the kitchen, and there's mom with a plate of cookies, and she hands one to your brother or to your sister, and she gives you nothing. What do you think? What do you feel? What would you say? Anyone? What would you say? Gavin? Why didn't I get a cookie? Sydney? Yeah, why are you giving him a cookie? I think you would be yelling, that's not fair. That's right. That's not fair. You see, there's something inside of humans that wants fairness. We want things to be the same. And when it isn't, when your brother or sister gets a cookie and you don't, oh, this isn't fair. Well, guess what, kids? Your moms and dads feel this. I, I thought when I was a kid that I would like grow up and that feeling would go away. And I was wrong. Let, let me give you a couple examples. First, imagine kids that your mom applies for a job at the school and she finds out she didn't get it. Okay, no, no big deal. I mean, people apply for jobs and they don't get them. But let's say she learned why she didn't get it. Let's pretend that some guy applied for the job, and even though your mom's more qualified for it, they decided to hire the guy simply because he's a guy. And you know what your mom's going to feel inside? That's not fair. Or, or let's do this. Let's pretend that your dad has a really, really, really rich uncle. All right, like he's related to Bill Gates or something. I mean, he's so rich and he has no kids of his own. So he decides he's going to give all of his money to all of his nephews and nieces. But then two days before he passes away, he changes his will and he gives all of it to just one cousin. And your dad gets nothing. And you know what inside your dad's going to be feeling and thinking? That's not fair. We all long to have justice, to have fairness. 
But yet, kids, when you yell, that's not fair, what do your mom and dad tell you back? Life's not fair. That's right. And you know what? Your mom and dad are right. Life isn't fair. And that's why today is going to be so surprising. Because Jesus is going to tell us to be unfair. Really. He's going to tell us to be unfair. However, listen carefully. He's not going to tell you to be unfair in a mean way. He wants you to be unfair in a kind way. You're to be unfair for the benefit of others. You're going to do this to be a blessing. So you guys ready to learn how to be unfair? All right, let's pray. Father, I pray right now that as kids or adults that we would tune in to you, to your spirit, and your scriptures would come alive to us this morning. And it would impel us to go and to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus. Because you want us to live differently, even if that means we need to live unfairly. So Lord, help me as I teach, help our hearts to hear. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, hopefully you've got Matthew 5 open. Kids, we've been doing a series, a message series called Unexpected. We're going through the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. So today we're going to end chapter 5, and I'm glad you guys are here at this particular moment because you guys are going to get a lot out of this because this applies to school, this applies to home, so you need to listen up. Matthew 5, starting in verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. <laughs> but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now last week, kids, we had studied the previous section, and we saw that what Jesus was saying to us is that people of the word are people of their word. Sometimes some people will call the, the Bible, the scriptures, they call this the word. Like this is the word of God. And, and Jesus was the author of it. And so when he taught it, he didn't teach like the other people. He taught it with authority because he was the author. And so Jesus was trying to help us see that if you are a person of the word, then you need to be a person of your word. In other words, if you say, I'll do that, or you promise something, you need to do it. You need to adhere to it. But God warned us, do not add to your word. It, it's really tempting. Back in Jesus' day, people would say, oh, I swear on heaven, or I swear on earth. In our day, people will say, oh, I swear on my mother's grave, or I swear on my life. And Jesus goes, uh, you don't need to do that. Because God made humans with the image of God in them. Now, the image of God has been kind of broken. It's been distorted. It doesn't look right because of sin. 
But the image is still there. And Jesus came to restore that image within us, to transform us into the image of Jesus. So we will love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived. And when Jesus lived, he did not have to say, oh, well, I'm going to go to heaven and prepare a place for you, and I swear it upon heaven. No. When he says, I'm going to heaven to prepare a place for you, he means it. When, when Jesus said, I'm going to go die on the, a criminal's death, but rise again from the dead, he did what he said. He didn't have to swear by anything. So because you have the Imago Dei in you, if you follow Jesus, you don't have to swear by anything either. So when your mom says, go clean your room, and you say, yes, you better go and clean your room. Keep your promise, keep your word pure, because people of the word are people of their word. But now I imagine that Jesus is there on top of this mountain or this big hill, and his disciples are sitting at his feet, and there's a crowd down around him, and he teaches people of their word are people of their word. And someone's sitting there going, oh, wish my neighbor Joe heard that. You wouldn't believe what Joe did. Like, I told Joe this, and he says he'd do it, and he hasn't done it yet. He hasn't kept his word. I sure would like to pop him one. And so Jesus says, ah, let's talk about that. Let's take a look at how we retaliate. You see, kids, retaliation is the automatic. It's what is expected. When someone does something you don't like, you want to get them back. For instance, when your brother or sister pulls a prank on you, guess what you're thinking? I can't wait to get them back. They jumped out and scared you. Oh, don't do that to me. I'm going to get you. You want to retaliate. That's what is expected. There's a guy named Seth Godin. He he likes writing about business. He's got a pretty popular blog. He's written several books. And one of his books I read a long time ago was this book called The Purple Cow. And in it, he tells a story of driving through France. And as he's driving through the French countryside, he sees the beautiful blue sky. And it's kind of dotted with these beautiful white clouds. And the green grass is there. And the hills and mountains are rolling. And there's these picturesque trees. And dotting the landscape are these brown cows. He said it was just so beautiful. You just wanted to, like, paint something. It was so inspiring. But within a couple of hours, he said it, it just kind of all blended together. The clouds just became clouds. The trees were just trees. Like, even the cows, they just became these boring brown cows. And then the thought hit him. What if suddenly, in the middle of all the brown cows, you saw a purple cow? And then, oh, that would be weird. That would, like, stand out. You'd, like, stop the car... You'd get out and you'd go, look at that purple cow. And, and you'd start taking pictures. I mean, if your mom and dad let you have a cell phone, you'd probably like post it on Instagram. You know, your mom's taking pictures. She's uploading it to Facebook. And your really uncool dad's like trying to figure out, how can I get this on MySpace? You know, you're, you're sitting there going, this is a purple cow. This is unbelievable. Today, Jesus is calling you to be a purple cow. Because... If you have someone do something mean to you and you retaliate, that is what is expected. That's the normal. That's just being a boring brown cow. But if you respond the way Jesus tells us in this passage, you will be purple. And to be purple is summed up in one word that is hidden right in verse 44. It's the word love. It's easy to hate your enemy. But love your enemy? That's hard. That's different. That's being purple. 
We're going to talk about being purple today, and we're going to look at two words that make one phrase. Those two words are give and grace. Today, we're going to learn that being purple means to give, and it also means we have to give grace. So the first word, give, is found in our first section today. Look at it, verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Again, this is the norm. But do you know where this comes from? actually comes from the Old Testament. Back in the book of Exodus, chapter 20, God gives the Ten Commandments. Any kid here know the Ten Commandment boogie? Okay, a few of you do. Yeah, those of you who know it, if your moms and dads don't, you, you got to teach them tonight, all right? Make them do the Ten Commandment boogie, all right? But God gives the big ten to Moses. But you know what? He wasn't done. God actually, I've heard some scholars say that God actually gave 613 laws to the people. It wasn't just 10. 613. How would you like it if mom and dad at home said, hey, here's the rules of our house, and they said, here's 613 rules. I mean, it would probably like take up the whole entire wall of, all, of your whole house, right? It'd, it'd take you weeks just to read through all of it. Yeah, I could just hear you break something, mom goes, that's 238. You are in big trouble, right? No, it would be so hard, but this is what God gave them. These laws were to help protect the people. So some of them, they helped them like set up a nation. It helped them run their government. Some of the laws were to help them in like worship God. But a lot of the laws were to help them in interacting with one another. And that's what we find the next chapter over in Exodus 21. God is giving all these commands of here's how to go about loving people and interacting with them. And when someone does something wrong, here's how to punish them. So I want you to hear this. If you know where Exodus is, feel free to flip to it. It's up on the screen if you don't want to. We're going to come right back to Matthew 5. But we're going to look at verses 22 through 25. It starts off. When men strive together. Okay, that does not mean they're out running a race together. This means they're fighting. So a couple of big guys get in an argument and they start fighting. And in their fight, they hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out. In other words, they bump into her, they hit her, and suddenly she begins to go into labor, and the baby is born. Oh, no. He says, but there is no harm. The one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judge is determined. So, you accidentally bump into the woman, the baby comes out, baby's okay, woman's okay, so the husband can say, all right, you should pay us this much. A judge says, sounds good, and you'd have to pay that much. But what if there is harm? That's what it says in verse 23. But if there is harm, then you shall pay, and listen carefully, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. How many of you would like to have someone poke out your eye? Okay, Bradley, you're weird. The rest of us, though, I think are normal. We do not want our eyes poked out. So therefore, if you don't want your eye poked out, don't poke out someone else's. If you don't want to get burned, then don't go and burn someone else. If you don't like to get punched in the face, then don't punch your brother or sister in the face. It kind of goes back to what Jesus taught elsewhere. Love your neighbor as yourself. But what had happened was that the Jews would take this passage and they would begin to use it to exact revenge. Because, hey, you poked out my eye, you should lose your eye. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And so they would go about exacting this sort of punishment. 
That's why what Jesus says is so shocking because for centuries, the Jews have been following this eye for eye, tooth for tooth, burn for burn, hand for hand, foot for foot. And Jesus goes, hold on. Let's move from the letter of the law to the heart of it. And that's when he expands it back in Matthew 5. Look at verse 39. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. By Old Testament law, if someone slapped you across the face, you have the right to slap them back. But here, Jesus gives you permission to not slap them. You didn't like getting slapped in the first place. And so you don't have to retaliate. He gives you permission to not hit them back. When your brother or sister yells at you, what do you want to do? You want to yell right back. Guess what? You don't have to. In fact, Jesus goes further. He doesn't just say you don't have to do this. He says you should actually give to them. If they slap you on the right cheek, what do you do? You give them the other cheek. If someone sues you and takes like your jacket, what do you do? You give them your shirt. If someone says, hey, I want you to come and go a mile, give them one more. Because you see, if you live with this kind of generosity, if you will give, you will shock them. Because everyone's so used to retaliation. But if you don't retaliate and you actually are generous, you give, they suddenly notice you will be purple. So when your brother or sister yells at you, not only do you not have to yell back, you can actually give them a calm response. Imagine when your brother or sister yells at you and you suddenly say, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. Is something really bothering you? What? what why are you talking to me like that? You're going to shock them and you're just going to look at them and go, I'm being purple. But Jesus doesn't just tell us to give. He uses another word. Remember our two words today? Give and grace. And we see grace in the second half of today's passage. Verse, verse 43. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. And sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even tax collectors do that. I loved Addie's version that she read for us there in the scripture reading. It says, corrupt tax collectors. That's a good description. Tax collectors were the most corrupt people of their day. They were Jewish people who worked for the Roman government to take money away from the Jews to send it off to the Roman government. And they would often take more than they were supposed to. They were, in a sense, stealing from their very brothers and sisters. Not very nice. So no one liked tax collectors. But many of them were married, and they loved their spouses. Some of these tax collectors had kids, and they loved their kids. And, and I suspect that because no one liked tax collectors, that, well, the tax collectors liked each other. And so they loved each other. You see, tax collectors could at least love those who loved them. If that's all you do, if you only love the people who love you, you're no better than a tax collector. You're just being brown. But to be purple, 
means to love those who aren't lovable. And Jesus doesn't stop. He says in verse 47, and if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Gentiles were people who were not Jewish. In other words, they did not have the law of God given to them. And yet, even without God's law, they could still go and be kind to someone, say nice things. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Nice weather we're having, isn't it? Anyone can do that. But to really love those who are different than you, that's hard. That's purple. That's being like Jesus. Because you see, Jesus came not just for the people who would love him. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5 that Jesus came for his enemies. Think about that. An enemy is someone who is opposed to you. Have you ever had what you felt like someone was opposed to you? You're trying to do something and they just always seem to be working against you. Maybe they were a, a bully. Maybe it was an adult who looked at you really mean and yelled nasty things at you. They felt like your enemy. And you know what Jesus did for his enemies? He died for them. He loved them. He gave grace. And you know who his enemies were? You and me. Because we were born into sin. And our sin kept us from following the will of God. And so therefore, we were opposed to God. We were his enemies. And yet, Jesus didn't wait for us to clean up our act and then go and die on the cross. Jesus went and died on the cross because he loved us even while we were still enemies. So you know what that means? It means that you can give grace to even those who are mean to you. Because when you do, you're being like Jesus. Or, or think of it this way. Rather than give eye for an eye, why don't you give grace for grace? And, and it's not giving grace to them because they gave grace to you first. No, it's giving grace to them because God gave grace to you first. And when God's grace impacts you and you realize that Jesus loves you, that allows you to then go and love your enemies or to love your friends who are not being nice, or to love your brother or sister even when they yell at you, you can then be purple. So to be purple, you gotta love. And love can be summed up in these two words. Give grace. But it's hard. In fact, this very week, two of my family members faced very difficult situations where someone was opposed to them. And it was hard listening to them tell me. I didn't like it. And do you know what my internal response was? I wanted to fight. I wanted retaliation. How, how could that person do that to my loved one? How can the world, could they oppose them like that? In fact, I got to confess, one of them, I told them to fight back. In fact, I began to help them in coming up with the email that they were going to send to reply back, to fight back against the injustice that was coming in. And then I started working on my message. And I get into it, and I start reading, and I'm going, oh boy. I think I just bombed. And you know what? I think we could fight back. I think there is some injustice being done. But I also think that maybe a better way is to be purple. And it's to actually respond with love and grace. So I actually had to go back to one of my family members and say, you know what, I, I think I was wrong. I think we need to respond differently. 
Kids, it is not easy. Moms and dads, it is not easy. That's why we need the Holy Spirit living in us, empowering us to do this. We have to be fueled by the gospel. That's what's going to make us purple. But I tell you, when you do not live eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, instead you live grace for grace, you will stand out. You will be different. And when someone asks and tries to figure it out, you can say, it's because of Jesus. I'm just being purple. So let's not give eye for an eye. Let's give grace for grace. Father God, I know that this cannot be done in my own strength nor in in anyone's just best efforts. This sort of thing can only happen through Jesus. And so Jesus, we confess that we need you. We need you to empower us, to help us, to perfect us so that we can respond, not with eye for an eye, but we can respond with grace. Make us these kind of people. May it happen even at a young age, that, that the, the five and six and seven-year-olds that are in this room, that they would begin to live this out, not because they want to look cool, but simply because they know you, and they know that you love them, your grace is for them, and that's what would compel them to go and be kind to their brothers and sisters, to be kind to their friends at school, for us adults to be incredibly kind to those who are at work, to, to our neighbors who seem to not like us, to that, that brother or sister who, who we're alienated from, that we would be actually be able to go out and love these enemies because you first loved us. So God, would you accomplish this? I think that as you do so, it's for your glory, but it's also for our joy. So God, help us to not just be boring and brown. Help us to be purple. Help us to be like Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, kids, I left off one verse, and I left it off on purpose. Because as we go into the next song, we need to hear this. It's the last one. In verse 48, Jesus says, You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. But i got to be the first to admit, I am not perfect. And I can guarantee that even in your best day, you're not perfect either. So what do we do? Because Jesus says you must be perfect. It means we cry out to him. We ask him to help us. It's confessing we need you. Because the gospel is the story that God is taking broken and imperfect people like us. And he's restoring that image of Jesus in us to make us perfect and complete. So that we can then go and love like Jesus loved and live like Jesus lived. So as we sing this next song... I want to encourage you, make this your prayer. That you would cry out to God and say, God, I need you. I'm not perfect. It's hard to not yell back at my brother or sister. It's difficult to not want to retaliate. I need your help. And so let's use this as a prayer. Let's sing this song. If you want to remain uh, seated, you totally may. If you are the type of person who needs to stand to sing, you may stand up. Kids, this is not just for the adults. This is for you. Let's enter into this time of worship and let's cry out to God, I need you.